If you'll uh, turn with me to Psalm 83. Psalm 83. Are you there? We're gonna. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gonna start with verse one. Read through eight. Oh God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent, and oh God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire against your treasured ones. They have said, come and let us wipe them out as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind against you, they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and Hagrites and Gebal and Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. They have become a help to the children of Lot. This is speaking about what we would call the war of extermination. This psalm is stating that Israel's immediate neighbors will launch a war for the purpose of wiping out Israel as a nation. And the nations described in this as being a part of the nefarious effort are those with the common border of Israel today. I don't know if you can picture a map of Israel in your mind, but um, there are obviously a number of nations that border Israel. Every single one of them that border Israel does not think nation uh, Israel should exist as a nation. They don't recognize it as a nation. They think Israel is um, squatting on their land, and their life's goal is to wipe them out as a nation. It's been going on for how long now? How many thousands? Like, yeah, but <laughs> even more so since 1948. Yeah. Um, so the outcome of this war here in Psalm 83 is not stated, except that we know by reading other scriptures that Israel will be victorious in this war. Israel does not ever get wiped off the map. That's the fascinating part. Um, this war that spoken of here in Psalm 83 will result in an overwhelming victory for Israel, resulting in great territorial expansion, possibly, and enhanced natural, national resources. In other words, the land that God gave them will likely be given back to them. But here's how it connects to us today. Hamas, the immediate neighbor in Gaza, um, who says 
Israel does not have a right to exist. They're probably the most vocal about it. Launched an operation yesterday called Operation Aqua Flood. And they launched 5,000 rockets into Israel. And for the first time, they've been sending soldiers breaking through the defenses into the land of Israel, killing people hand to hand and taking a lot of Israelis as hostages uh, for the purpose of negotiation down the road and torture and mayhem. And initially, the very first day, at least 100 Israelis were killed and probably 200 of the Hamas were killed and thousands, like a couple thousand, were injured. And it's become the deadliest attack on Israel since Yom Kippur 50 years ago. So it's, it's significant. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but uh, it is significant. And now here's the key. It was a surprise to Israel. Israel did not know this was going to happen. Um, we see in Psalm 83, they conspire against the, one another and... You know, they, they sneak up on Israel. Israel's intelligence is the best in the world. So for them to be um, taken by surprise is significant. Um, the other thing that was significant, the, the battle started on the Sabbath. So you know, that was intentional. Uh, Hamas was saying prior to this, prior to yesterday, that they weren't planning anything. They were saying what amounts to peace and safety. And in the last few weeks, maybe you've seen that Saudi Arabia was normalizing relations with Israel. And Hamas and a lot of the Muslim nations around it are really angry about that. But that um, appears to be a prophetic alignment of nations as we go into the end times. It's the anniversary of Yom Kippur is when they attacked Jews. Is what? The anniversary of Yom, Yom Kippur when they were attacked last time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. No, they always kind of tend to do something with some sort of other ritual or symbolic meaning that Almost like they were trying to force, they're like, oh, let's just do this and manifest this. But end it, of the it world. has an effect of terrorizing the people a bit more, too. Yeah, it does. So, um, but here's the thing Israel has not really struck back yet. That is fascinating. Israel is like that. They are very measured, and when they move, look out. Uh, what they're trying to do right now is capture the hostages and get them to safety before they bomb the heck out of uh, the nation, which is what Psalm 83 talks about. So my question is, is this a sign of the coming day of the Lord? Um, By refresher, the day of the Lord is a time when God begins to intervene in the activities of man directly. And he begins to do things 
um, rolling up to the tribulation and through the tribulation leading up to the return of Jesus. So is this a sign of the end or the day of the Lord? Is this the event spoken of 1 Thessalonians 5, which says it would signal the day of the Lord when they were saying peace and safety? They would be unbelievers. Peace and safety would be this uh, false feeling of safety and peace, which, you know, maybe Israel was getting to that point. Maybe because they've never been uh, attacked so brutally and 50 years, maybe they were getting a little complacent. Um, but here's the thing. Unbelievers will be saying peace and safety, but believers will not be surprised because this is what the Bible has told us to expect. Um, <clears throat> so we have to watch how this war unfolds, but it could just be as Jesus said, wars and rumors of wars. We have to see how the rest of it unfolds. So um, I guess I'm just calling your attention to it, to look at from a biblical standpoint. And the bottom line of today's message is so that you will not fear. We just read how we can have comfort. And if it is signaling the, um, the beginning of the day of the Lord, if that's on the near horizon, we should not be afraid. If anything, we should be happy. That's right. Yeah. Are there, uh, I'm sorry, enough, but like this, because this is a little political fight as well in the world, but are there not other signs happening besides just this, like the Euclidean River or whatever? I'm glad you asked, because I have a whole message here that's going to give you those. <laughs> There's a red cow out there. Yeah, you know? I'm going I'm to give you those. That's where we're going. Um, but if it is the beginning of the day of the Lord, that would mean the rapture is imminent. And following on the heels of that, the revealing of the man of lawlessness is also imminent. And that happens after Jesus gathers up his church, takes him out of the earth to heaven with them. So I want to uh, begin a talk on a biblical list of signs pointing to the nearest nearness of Jesus Christ returning. When we say return, um, keep in mind there's there's a, um, a whole process in that. In other words, when he returns to gather us up as a church, that's the rapture. That's not the official return. The official return is at the end of the seven-year tribulation when he returns and sets his feet down on the earth and then begins the thousand-year kingdom. I want to talk about biblical signs because um, this is not a political or social list of signs. Um, whenever you see that happening and people saying this is the end of the world, you have to look at it from a biblical lens. And a lot of the stuff that's being said is just pokey pokey, you know, meaningless. It's, it's not valid. Um, certainly, political and social issues can be a visible symptom of a biblical sign coming. And where possible today, um, 
I'm going to be making specific statements and not broad brush sweeping statements that could mean anything. And here's the key to remember about signs. It's hard to measure the temperature of the sign and the intensity of the sign. Um, Jesus spoke about this a lot about signs and he uh, compared them to you know, pregnancy and birth pains and, and he... Uh, um, mentioned about how the uh, the Jews, being farmers, would understand the signs of the year and the weather and stuff. So it's hard for us to measure the temperature and intensity. And that's partly why we should not engage in trying to pick a date. Um, because it, it's just really, how evil is evil? I mean, how do you answer that question? We know evil is going to come. We know lawless is going to increase. But by how much? Hard to know. Um, so let me start with those signs. Number one, at least on my list and a lot of people's list, is the rebirth of na Israel as a nation. That is a huge prophetic sign in Scripture. And there's numerous passages in the Old Testament that mention this. And that happened in 1948. And Jesus even said and indicated or alluded to that that would be the beginning of the last generation. We'll have to see if we're understanding that correctly. Um, there will be an increase in the hate of Israel. Attempts at annihilating, annihilating Israel. UN resolutions to divide up their land. You remember a few years ago on uh, the end of December, I had, I had a sermon where the the UN had formally decided to divide up the land of Israel. <laughs> you know, Israel wasn't participating, but they were going to divide up their land. And the United States didn't vote. They, uh, what do you call it when they don't vote? Abstain. Yeah. Um, so what we see happening today is nation alliances are changing. <clears throat> those that were aligned before are no longer aligned, and those that were Enemies are becoming aligned. And the reason is, it's not politics, it is biblical prophecy, because the Bible tells us about various nation alliances that will come about, and that has to happen first. So, again, how much of that has to happen before the rapture? We, we don't know, but Iran and Russia are teaming up. China and Russia, Saudi Arabia and Israel, on and on. Okay, so another sign, the mark of the beast technology, uh, which includes a lot of things, but one of them is biometric digital currency. And that might be what is used later on when the Antichrist controls whether you can buy or sell. But a lot of the things we read in Revelation were, were previously not possible, but they are now. So this is like pre-staging, making things possible that can be used for evil. The problem with digital currency is it has the effect of removing financial liberty from individuals, which is what the Antichrist is going to do, what he wants. Um, 
So, you know, the technology to carry out the mark of the beast and various things in Revelation is, is um, available in many different iterations right now. It's hard to know. So I caution you between saying, well, this one is going to do this. We don't know. We don't know. But the point is, there's technology available to accomplish those things that never were before. All right, next one is the increasing rise of one world governance, primarily the world economic form. And the tyranny that the governments have uh, exerted against the citizens, not just our country, and the acceptance <coughs> by the masses of that governmental tyranny. You know, they've, they've kind of gone along with the program. Um, and even once sovereign governments have surrendered their sovereignty to these global organizations. Um, tech has become their biggest allies and their largest evangelists. And the purpose on this, the biblical purpose on this, is this moves us towards a time where we're going to have those ten horns that's spoken of in Daniel 7. So... Those ten horns have to be set up before the Antichrist was revealed because in Daniel 7, the little horn represents the Antichrist. The little <coughs> horn comes up and subdues three of those ten horns. These horns are nations or centers of power and control. So these alignments and, and all of these things are working towards the uh, setup of those ten nations. Um, they are going to have control over the whole world. Right now we have 190 nations. Uh, the next sign is uh, the worship of creation rather than the creator. Mm -hmm. the James Webb Telescope is helping with that. Could be. Um, so it, this, when we, when man decided to worship creation instead of the creator, God says that he will issue a punishment. And this is found in Romans 1, 18 through 23. Um, you know, I'm not going to end up reading all these scriptures. So if you're, uh, since you got your phones, you could be taking notes or re-listen to this on the uh, website. Um, but you know, I said that we're using biblical uh, references for these signs. It's not just um, hearsay or hyperbole. So um, when man began to worship creation rather than the creator, it sparks a punishment by God in aberrant sexual behavior. We already see the culmination of unbelief and its consequences. And that's what Romans 1 is talking about. <laughs> Um, some of these are unbridled sexual perversion, reprobate thinking by world leaders. If you've ever listened to world leaders and it makes no sense what they're saying, they're contradicting themselves even in two sentences, it's because they have reprobate minds. Um, hypocritical thinking and legislation. Um, I don't want to get off on that. <laughs> uh, reframing and swapping of what is considered good and bad. It, 
Isaiah said that good will be bad and bad will be good. And that's what is happening. And things are being swapped and turned over. Um, the next one is there'll be a massive increase in mental illness. And poor mental health displayed um, often in homelessness and the absence of rational, logical thinking or policies. And again, this is a consequence of Romans 1. Uh, next one is massive use of pharmaceuticals. Um, this is new because we didn't have the kind of pharmaceuticals we have now. We didn't have them before. And we didn't have um, this the system to dole them out to people um, and the, the medical industry to put it together there. So the point here is right now it's not uncommon for an individual um, to have prescription medication. A lot of times it is for mental health or pain. Now I'm not, I'm not this is not a against medication speech here, but the point is um, pharmaceuticals are being used heavily throughout the population and even where it's used properly and it helps there are side effects of a lot of these things and those side effects um, become manifest and we see them and sometimes it hurts the people more than what they're taking the medication for well you know on uh, that my second brother happens to be a volunteer guinea pig for that stuff He's in the Barnes <laughs> Hospital in Dallas. He's a brave guy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he you know he volunteers, and all these medicines you're talking about goes through him and other people first. Yeah. And if they tear up the ward, well, it's not going to go on the market. Yeah. And if everything's fine and calm, and then you're going to see it on the market. Yeah. But that was his, you know, especially like a, a bipolar. As far as I'm concerned, it wasn't the war that made him bipolar. It was the three bad wives of Texas that he went through. <laughs> well, it's not just the pharmaceutical things. It's these kids mixing up these drugs, putting fentanyl and all these things yeah. in it now that we're not even getting it from the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. to be clear, uh, that is what I'm including. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, thanks for you know clarifying that point. Is weed in there? Um, so, the Bible often speaks of witchcraft as the use of pharmaceuticals, um, pharmakia. And the point is, this plays into apostasy, unbelief, idolatry, and deception. So when you're um, being impacted by the pharmaceuticals in the wrong way, um, that's <coughs> often where it leads. Another sign is scoffing at sound Bible doctrine. Um, I had to put this in here so you couldn't scoff at my sermon. <laughs> Scoffing at sound Bible doctrine um, about the end times, even anything in the Bible. Um, many of us are challenged when we go out and we try to share the gospel with people and we get scoffing and mocking. You know, the Bible's not real, the Bible's not, it's a myth, and you know, on and on. But that's the, that's the time and age that we're living in. Uh, the Bible does not have the authority. And even within the church, a lot of churches 
just want to hear what tickles their ear. You know, what they like, what sounds good, what's fun, what's current. <coughs> and they readily reject and scoff at biblical teaching. Again, this is prophesized in 2 Timothy 4.3. Uh, the next one is, masses of people are not <coughs> under God. You know, he's not their God. Um, rather, everyone is going their own way. Um, division. And tribalism is rapidly growing. I mean, by the day. And there's no longer a majority consensus on <coughs> who is God. Spiritual truth has become relative. Next one is massive spiritual apostasy. And this is spoken of in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 Timothy 4. And this was really sparked by COVID. Remember when they shut down churches and put everybody in a panic so they wouldn't go to church? Um, and still, the churches have not recovered their attendance numbers from before COVID. Then uh, during all that too, you just seen rampant mental health issues and all kinds of happened during COVID. Because people, most people were just weren't used to yeah. being at home. <laughs> and that's part of the enemy's plan. Yeah. Um, so the, the the church as a whole is not growing; it's shrinking. Um, every statistic available that you can find will demonstrate this. Uh, the current generation of kids and young people are being raised with confusion and deception, and will be totally unsaved as adults. So praise God when we have young kids that yes. get baptized and saved because they have a, a hope. Um, the, these kids who are being deceived will uh, be militantly against Jesus and his followers. We're already seeing that, right? Uh, we see people <coughs> get pretty violent against Jesus and his followers. Um, so a whole generation will replace the current generation and we're talking about a matter of a decade if Jesus doesn't come before this. I mean, we're talking about kids who are preteens and teens right now 10 years from now so this is one reason why it's so important with our children's ministries and our school the next sign is pervasive lawlessness of people and governments. Governments are supposed to, you know, create and enforce the rule of law and lawfulness. Uh, but the government's facilitating lawfulness, lawlessness. They're promoting it and they're mandating it. Government has totally lost their way. And this has to happen. Take count it all joy. This has to happen in order for one man to be ruler of the world. And that's, Christ, though. Yes. and that's found in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. Again, on technology, it's currently present in the hands of masses right here that we can see these wars going on in Israel live. You can follow a live feed right now. When... Uh, the two witnesses 
are standing in Jerusalem during the tribulation, you'll be able to watch them. There'll be a live feed right here on your phone here in America. When, uh, yeah, hopefully you won't. When Jesus returns, everybody will be able to see it on their phones. You know, that, that's amazing. Um, Revelation, that's Revelation 1 7. Um, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, the love of most will grow cold. It says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, Reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, though they deny the power. It feels like we're almost there, don't we? Most of the way. Um, I would say we're almost there, but not quite. I mean, I, I can see where it could get worse. Uh, another sign is the world will be just like the days of Noah in Genesis 6 5. Uh, how is that? Well, God said that their every thought was evil. And so sex and violence were their every thoughts. Hard to say that that isn't the every thought of most of the people in the world these days with our phones and, you know, social media and all the things that are going on. Uh, but again, we're probably not quite there yet. I mean, I can see where it could get more evil. Um, artificial intelligence. This is kind of the new thing. <coughs> Broadly, artificial intelligence amounts to man creating a being, taking God's role. This is one direction that it can head. Uh, and it will. Creating life is God's role. Jesus is the life of men. Now, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Now, I'm not saying... Don't use artificial intelligence anymore, and I'm not saying don't use the internet. What I am saying is that anything good can be perverted by evil men for evil purposes, and AI will. Uh, when, while AI is not alive in the sense of being truly sentient, it will emulate that. AI seems to facilitate the end times prophecies relating to the fake trinity of the Antichrist and the beast, allowing them to create a fake death and resurrection as one of their prominent deceptions, which is emulating what Jesus did. So there's a holy trinity, there's an unholy trinity. There was a true resurrection and crucifixion, and uh, there'll be a fake one. Uh, that's in uh, Genesis 1 through 3, John 1, 1 through 18, and 3, 16 through 21. Consider this. AI will be taught either to worship man or for man to worship it. We already see AI as being prompted by man to write scripture with a particular slant or paradigm. They're even having churches, AI churches, led by AI. Um, and again, this is not to get too hung up on that, but just the point is 
that man has never learned his lesson from the Tower of Babel. Wants to be God. Uh, another sign, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. This is kind of subjective, as is measuring the temperature and frequency of any sign. How much of what we hear on a daily basis is about wars or rumors of wars? Uh, you really can't listen to news or be on YouTube without hearing it. Um, I don't think the focus here, though, is on the increase in wars and rumors of wars. Rather, it's both the happening and the hearing. Jesus said, you will hear of them. We can now hear of things and see things happening instantaneously across the world. So this has to be examined from a worldwide perspective, not just America. Um, it's a statement meaning that there will be a time when there's little peace. You know, when we hear about wars and rumors of wars, it can be fearful. It can take our peace away. Uh, another one, in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. This has been going on for a while, since early history, but man has proven the ability to feed everyone, but government is squelching that for their purposes. And so when it says that you will hear of famines, earthquakes in various places, I kind of ask if that means they are intentionally created famines um, in just various places rather than like the whole world or rather than um, places that are commonly suffering it. Mm -hmm. So that's a biblical sign. It's a little bit hard to measure. Um, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, Mark 13. And we certainly have historical events where um, Christi Christians were and Jews were unmercifully martyred. We do. However, we need to key in on the phrase all nations. So be looking for from that standpoint. Um, on the last one or two. Um, spiritual deceptions and deception of all kinds. And we see deception just rampant. And with AI, they can create fake people, fake messages, and you think it's real. Uh, and then finally... People do that. Yeah. I've well, met people that just they kind of know, well, I say this and then this, this person will think that because they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, that's not there. And then we lead up to many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And so we see all kinds of false religions and prophets and preachers, and this is signed in in the times. So, the big question is what has to happen before the rapture? Are there any events or signs, things that have to happen that have not already happened before the rapture? And as I see it, nothing. It, the things that need to be fulfilled have been fulfilled. It's a, it's a question of degree, temperature, and intensity. Um, Jesus never said that these events and these signs would be completed. 
know, they would be happening, but they don't get to their full manifestation and stop. In other words, they're completed. So the rapture will come in the midst of signs happening, maybe happening faster. A, a sign appears and it starts small and it grows bigger and bigger, more um, <coughs> frequent. And what has to happen before Jesus returns to gather up his church? We are his bride. Again, I say nothing. The scary part is, once he does come, it'll be the expiration of chances for many people to surrender to him and receive <clears throat> salvation. Doesn't the church have to be complete, though? I mean, isn't there references in there that talks about, like, the fullness of the time referring to, like, he's tarrying because there's a certain number of, of souls that he knows are going to find him and he's going to tarry until the very last one of those people that he knows will find him are going to find him and yeah. then he's going to come. Cause he we can get that in our same, but we don't know when that is. Only God knows. Right. Yeah. I know. But I'm just saying, you're saying what has to happen. And in, in essence, he's tarrying to, to, to give that very last person the amount of time that they need to, to see him. Pastor, what about the rebuilding of the temple? Uh, what do you mean, what about it? Well, <clears throat> a lot of people believe that the temple has to be rebuilt. And they're going to start offering, uh, and then after that, it does have to be rebuilt because uh, Scripture says that the Jews will carry on their sacrifice, and midway through the tribulation, the Antichrist stands in in the temple the newly rebuilt temple and claims himself to his God. Um, I don't think that's a sign of prior to the rapture because they need the Antichrist to make that covenant that allows Israel to rebuild that temple. <clears throat> you know, they have all the stuff to do right now. They just can't do it. David. About the temple, um, it was kind of confusing for me, I feel like, because when Jesus talks about it, he talks about his body, and other people are talking about a physical building, and that's kind of, I don't know, it's just confusing for like end time stuff. Is it the physical temple in Jerusalem? Or? Yeah. Um, let me see if I can answer that question. So in the Old Testament, you know, they had the temple, they had the Mosaic Law, and these were for the Jews. Jesus came, and when he said, you were all temples um, holding the Holy Spirit, that was to transition from this one temple where everybody would go to, to having the Holy Spirit in us. So Jesus tried to communicate that to the Jews, but they refused to believe. So what we're talking about with this temple during the end times are Jews that have not believed on Jesus as Lord and Savior. So they will think, ah, well, okay, we've got freedom to worship as we used to. And then they will find out it was simply a, a deception and a ploy by the Antichrist. Um, the other thing you might ask is, well, what about the millennial temple that's um, spoken of in, was it Ezekiel 40? Um, and so then during the millennial kingdom, Jews are going through and doing sacrifices and things. 
But in, at that period of time, they're standing before Jesus. They're doing it as a, a ceremony memorial, not um, as a prelude to Jesus returning. The 144,000 are 12,000 from each tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel. They are, are men, only men, and men that have not, uh, they're virgin men, basically. And, and their calling is to go out and evangelize um, the world that's left, and especially the Jews, that Jesus was the Messiah. Give them like a second chance to convince them. Yeah. Like, hey. God keeps giving chances all the way up to the last day in the, in the tribulation. So maybe maybe this kind of reminds us of our one another time about comfort one another with these words. There's a lot of scary things coming, most of which, uh, the really bad ones, will be, I don't know if we'll be viewing it from heaven, but we'll be in heaven. <laughs> so... All right, well, let's, uh, thanks for your patience. Um, I'm sorry if I rambled on too long. Uh, it's a big topic. Oh, and yeah, it's a good one. Hopefully, it gives you some sound teaching on the science of the end times and not um, YouTube hysteria. Uh, so let's go ahead and gather around and pray for one another.